Hey guys, thanks for checking out this episode of the John Campia Show podcast, the audio-only version of the John Campia Show on YouTube. This is the episode that was recorded on Thursday, May the 7th, 2020, titled MCU's Karen Gillan to replace Depp in Pirates Reboot Report. And remember guys, even though you're listening to the podcast, you can also get your comments or questions in the live part of the show by simply using the tip link in the top of the description of this podcast at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You can support the channel and get your question read on the show. And for now, let's get to the episode. You know, there were a bunch of people, uh, especially when Sam Raimi was brought into Doctor Strange and, you know, this multi, they're going to have the multiverse stuff and people talking about, and, and for a while they've talked about, should they be bringing Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man all together into one thing? And I said, I really doubt they're going to do that. But guess what? It looks like at one point they tried to get all of them together. Now, you guys, of course, remember one of my favorite movies from the other, other year, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, right? Well, apparently Lord and Miller did pitch the idea to Sony about at least an animated form, getting Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all together and have their various animated versions of their Spider-Man characters with them to come in and do the voices with Spider-Ham. Now, I don't think it was going to be a significant part of Spider-Man or the Spider-Verse. It was probably just going to be one scene. But the way Chris Miller re recites it when he was asked about it, he said this, we pitched the idea to Sony Brass, an ambitious tag involving Spider-Ham, Toby, Andrew, and Tom, but Sony felt it was, quote unquote, too soon. They felt it was too soon. This is something that has been a particularly Spider-Man fans wet dream for a little while is to see all three of these Spider-Man. Because listen, again, all three of these Spider-Man, Toby, Tom, Andrew, I think they've all done a really good job in their respective films. I've liked all of them. I particularly really liked Andrew Garfield. I'm loving Tom Holland as well. And of course, Tobey Maguire was the original. But I'm going to say something that is going to be unpopular, which, you know, I never do. Uh, I'm going to say something that's going to be unpopular. Sony was right. It was probably too soon. It was probably too soon. They're still in the midst of getting really Tom established that he is Spider-Man now. And especially if you just if you go back a couple years to when Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out, it may have been a little bit too soon for that. The one kind of thing I'll give them, Aaron, is that maybe the fact that it was going to be an animated form probably would have mitigated some of the you know, causing confusion or undermining Tom a little bit. It was it was going to be an animated form, so I would have been fine with it if they did it. I would have been totally fine with it if they did it. But I get where Sony was coming from when they said to Lord Miller, ah, we kind of feel like that's a little too soon. I get it, but I would have been fine if they did it too. You hear about this. Of course, you had a wonderful reaction to the spiders in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but you saw it with me. What would you have thought about the idea of having a little tag in there where you got Toby, Andrew, and Tom their animated versions of their Spider-Man all having a scene together. Do you think that would have gone over well? Or do you think like Sony says it might've been too soon? I think it's such a missed opportunity. I think it really, especially if you have a limited, a small, just a, quick little scene between the three of them, especially with Spider-Ham involved in it. 
I don't think that that's going to cause any confusion. I mean, people know that Tom Holland is our current Spider-Man. And I love the idea of having the three of them together in some way. Like we've talked on the show about how if the three of them tried to get together all as their different iterations of Spider-Man, that they would be more like an SNL sketch. But like you said, in the animated world, you can get away with a lot more. There's a little bit more leeway um, and a nice little tongue-in-cheek fun, especially paired with Spider-Ham. I think it could have gone over really well and I think it would have shown a little bit of humility on the part of Tom Holland anyway which he seems to naturally have yeah um, I think it would have been a really lovely sort of gesture of being able to um, in a way share that moment with his predecessors without being like oh no this is I feel sometimes studios get so precious like don't drown the baby don't drown the baby it's like mm. no 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 we're just trying to bathe the baby <laughs> you know <laughs> and and I uh, and so yeah I think that it's a missed opportunity and it would have been really fun for audiences I, I certainly would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it could have been a pretty fun little scene. Question is, guys, what do you think about this? It was just an animated form that I might have mitigated. Do you think Sony is right that maybe that was a little bit too soon? Do you think, oh, screw animation. They shouldn't do it in animation. They should do it in live action. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's go on to another off the top that's breaking news this morning. We all know that Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt have their movie Jungle Cruise coming out. Now, it was supposed to be coming out really soon, if not already in theaters, but it was supposed to come out really soon. It, is, of course, uh, has been bumped off another entire year. Well, guess what? We talked about how at D23 last year that I was at that the chemistry between Johnson and Emily Blunt was really fun. The two of them came out on stage together. They played like three different versions of the trailer. All that showed, I'm not sure how good this movie's going to be, to be honest, but at least showed that Johnson and Emily Blunt had some really fun chemistry together. Well, apparently they thought so too, because Emily Blunt and Dwayne The Rock Johnson have now planned another movie together. This one is going to be a superhero film called Ball and Chain. Here's the basic gist of the movie as they describe it. It's going to be about a married couple who are pretty much on the verge of breaking up. When a meteor strikes from outer space, giving both of them superpowers, but the catch is they only have their superpowers when they're working together. Uh, the rest of it kind of writes itself. I think the rest of it kind of writes itself. Now, again, I love, everybody knows I'm a big fan of Dwayne Johnson. I love Emily Blunt. This sounds like it could be kind of a fun movie it's a little bit of a sticky kind of sound to it i agree but at the same time with the chemistry that these two have the ability to pull off together i think you could have a lot of fun especially with you know two opposites that don't want to be together forcing them to be together and then the rest writes itself it could kind of be like a will smith's hancock right it could be in that vein or it could be a disaster personally I really like the sound of it. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. Anyway, Aaron, you just heard about this this morning yourself, about this idea. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the notion of these two getting back together again and doing ball and chain? It's so shtick, and I'm so in. I want all of this. You know, this also, it, it, it shows how over the life of, you know, over someone's career, they amass certain projects that all of a sudden make an eventual project sort of an inevitability. Right. Like when I hear 
Emily Blunt and Dwayne The Rock Johnson doing an act- a superhero film in which there's clearly going to be a heavy hand of comedy, I go, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, you look at Emily Blunt in Devil Wears Prada, hilarious, great comedic timing. You look at her in Edge of Tomorrow, you go, badass, strong, powerful, very convincing as an action hero. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson, same thing. He has also cultivated a career that is peppered with comedies, action films, combinations of the two. And so then you put those dynamic powerhouses together in one film. And especially as this, you know, like almost Mr. and Mrs. Smith sort of, right. you know, that's, that's a perfect analogy. It's a, it feels like a cross between Hancock and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's a great analogy. Yeah, that's what I, that's kind of what I saw with, of course, their, and, and they also, what I, what's also been really interesting about their careers, both of them, unlike Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, <laughs> they have not had any drama they have not had any um uh what's the word um uh you know there's scandals scandals thank you that's exactly the word i was looking for they haven't had any scandals so you can just you just watch and you just love them both you want to root for both of them and uh and, and i just think this is a great idea good call and certainly one that i'll be looking forward to now of course the movie may be terrible and have a it bad won't script be. and all that it won't stuff. be but i the, know i have high hopes the uh <laughs> the the promise of it it seems pretty good it seems like it's got a lot of potential question yeah. here is for you guys what do you think about the sounds of this dwayne johnson emily blunt back together again even though we haven't even seen jungle cruise yet and won't for about another year but what do you think about the idea is it a great idea is it a stupid idea how are you feeling about it jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right one more thing off the top before we get into our main topics today, and that is this. You know, in the midst of all the theaters being shut down right now and everything going on with the lockdown, as far as the movie industry goes, there has been one beacon of light shining off in the dark distance. And that one little beacon of light has been Christopher Nolan's tenant that despite everything going on, has held on to its, I believe, July 17th release date. New reports are coming out that Christopher Nolan has reaffirmed yet again that he is determined to have his film ready to come out in theaters on July 17th at more than that. Reports are now coming out that he, one of his motivations here truly is he wants to have his film be the movie that revitalizes a currently shut down movie going experience industry. That's what he wants it to be. He wants it to be that light in the darkness. Now, it's important to keep a couple things in mind. Right now, July 17th is still well over two months away. It's almost two and a half months away at this point. It's still a long ways off. We're talking about another 10 weeks away. There is a decent possibility with some states already talking about the notion of reopening things and all that kind of stuff that by the time July comes around, there is a good possibility that we're going to have most states saying, yes, if theaters want to reopen, they can. That doesn't mean the theaters will reopen. That's up to them. But they'll at least say that they can reopen if they want. AMC has alluded to recently that they're kind of looking at early July. And being a part of NATO, you can just assume that Regal is probably in the same vein. This positions Tenet not only as a highly anticipated film, but I would make the argument right now that Tenet, even if it wasn't before, is easily the most important film of the year. Because in this year of chaos and uncertainty and just like finding ourselves in a mess that we never could have imagined that we'd be in. 
The idea of having an arbiter, of having something like Tenet on the horizon that could come into theaters and hopefully get people enthusiastic, at least a certain percentage of people enthusiastic about coming back to the theaters again. This is going to be important for other films like Mulan that's planning on coming out just after Tenet. For movies like Wonder Woman 1984, which is planning on coming out just one month later. All the industry right now is kind of looking at Christopher Nolan and this July 17th date. Now, one of the things that I have read uh, that comes out of Variety, Aaron, is that it sounds like Warner Brothers is now in the final stretch in making their decision if they are indeed going to go all in on this July 17th date or whether they're going to move the film. Uh, it's saying in the Variety report that it will be this week. This week, Warner Brothers will make the final decision because if they do decide they want this movie to come out on July 17th, they have to get their marketing going. Right now. And they have to start mm -hmm. spe like specifying their marketing to the current situations. Like yeah. in, in, in July, in mid-July, it'll be time to come back to theaters. Christopher Nolan, master of cinema, mm -hmm. welcomes us all, welcomes America back in the world, back to the theaters. They have to get going on that. So they've either yeah. got to commit or they have to to move the film at this point. So it sounds like that's gonna happen within the next week. From the reports, it sounded like Christopher Nolan is really pushing hard to have July 17th, which means not everybody will go to see it because there are gonna be some people that are gonna be more cautious, wanna wait a little bit longer before they go back to the theaters themselves, despite whatever they do in the theaters, limited capacity, whatever, but he really wants that 17th and he wants that his movie to be the spark to bring movie theaters back. Aaron, as you look at the determination of a Christopher Nolan right now, and you look at where we're at, granted, we're still 10 weeks out, but what do you think Warner Brothers, two separate questions, what do you think Warner Brothers will do in this next week? Will they decide, yes, let's pull the trigger on this and, and gun towards July 17th? Or do you think they're just going to be a little bit nervous about it and maybe back off that and move dates for it? And what should they do? So what will they do and what should they do? Two different things. How do you see it? Well, first of all, I am very glad that I do not get paid to make these decisions. Um, someone else can make them and uh, potentially lose their job. This reminds me of the idea of, uh, you know, it's almost as if every other film is waiting and watching Christopher Nolan to take that first step on the invisible yeah. bridge to see if it actually is there. The first penguin in the water. Right, exactly. And, you know, there with high risk could potentially come very high reward. I mean, Tenet could be the only summer blockbuster, essentially. Uh, yes, with Mulan hot on its trails, but still, you know, the first one, as you said, in the water is going to be able to go the furthest. And so I imagine that these conversations are not just, hey, I really want this film to be in theaters, but also... Christopher Nolan probably working with the studio and working with the theaters in a roundabout way of being like, hey, what precautions are the theaters going to be taking? This is really forcing NATO's hand to say, all right, well, we have a clear film that could, as you're saying, revitalize this industry. What steps are we going to take and how serious are we going to be? And Christopher Nolan is saying, I'm giving you guys two months you know, two months head start here. Figure it out and let's make this happen. Now, two months ago on March 7th, we were not where we are today. Yeah. Things were just starting to percolate, like just starting to get locked down. So I, I really have no idea where we'll be two months from now. Nobody does. But I do like the idea, as much as I'm not a fan of rushing the economy back open, I am a big fan of someone saying, hey, 
I'm willing to put my neck out there. I'm willing to risk my career and my, I mean, although let's face it, Christopher Nolan is in a pretty cushy his position. His career is pretty yeah, safe. Yeah, his career is safe. <laughs> yeah, as soon as the word career came out of my mouth, I was like, wait a minute, who are we talking about here? Yeah, Christopher Nolan's career is safe, but he's still, he's still willing to put his neck out on the line and his film out on the line, a film that he obviously cares greatly about. So, um, I see this as sort of throwing the gauntlet down yeah. and an opportunity for the theaters, for the for the for the entire you know NATO to say, okay, we have this deadline. Let's put our safety nets in place so that we can do everything we can to assure audiences that they'll be safe coming back. In the same way that restaurants, as restaurants are slowly opening, they're saying, hey, look, come inside. We've spaced our tables this far apart. We're only allowing X number of people to come in. We have a more limited menu. Blah. Blah, blah, blah. Just like restaurants are creating an environment to make their patrons feel safe, it's now time for the theaters to start putting to start implementing those same safety measures so that people feel safe coming back to the movie. And I say kudos to Christopher Nolan and I think Warner Brothers, if I were being paid the big bucks to make that decision, I would say yes, but. Yeah. Yes, but let's put these things into place and let's work with the theater system to make sure that people feel confident going back to the theaters. Yeah, and, and it should be noted here, nobody is saying, nobody is saying that we should put movies ahead of public safety. Correct. Nobody's saying this is all being discussed in the context of can we do it safely? And I think that that's an important thing to note. Question here for you guys is this. What do you think? Is Tenet the most important film of the year given the current circumstances? And what do you think they will do this week? Will Warner Brothers decide, yep, let's pull the trigger on July 17th? Or will they say, you know what? It's time for us to move the release date. What do you think is going to happen? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down and out of the way, it's time for us to get into our main topics. Now, just before we do, I want to remind you guys, for those of you who watch the show regularly, that you can also listen to the show for those times that you're commuting, you're at the gym, you're at work, and maybe bringing up a YouTube video isn't the easiest thing to do. We do have an audio-only version available for everybody. It's the John Campus Show podcast, which is just the audio-only version of the show. You can go and find the podcast on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Go and subscribe to it today, and so it's there for you whenever you need just an audio only form. All right. With that down, let's now get into those main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? Well, you see, it's really rather simple. You guys come up with them by going anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit and then maybe just maybe, you might see your topic or question featured here as a main issue on the John Campia Show. With that down, let's move on to main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Sally, who writes, Hi, John. Due to the delays, there are only two comic book films left for 2020, which is a weird thing to think about. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 and Black Widow. Which one do you think will be the top grossing comic book film of the year? Birds of Prey clearly won't be. And which one are you most excited for? I am more excited for Black Widow, but I really want to see both movies. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Sally. And yes, it is weird to think, especially coming off of a year like 2019, that we're only going to get two comic book films this year. It's, it's kind of weird. And a little bit sad to think of it in those terms. That's true. We've only got two comic book films this year uh, that are going to be coming post, you know, 
Birds of Prey, which I'm trying to erase from my memory. Uh, that being said, we got Wonder Woman and we got Black Widow, both highly anticipated for different reasons. We've got Wonder Woman, that this will be Wonder Woman's second dance in a solo film. She, of course, had the original Wonder Woman. And this will be Black Widow's first solo movie, although Black Widow has been in a lot of the MCU. So we've got those two things going. The first Wonder Woman film was an unmitigated smash hit at the box office, making well over $700 million, and was the first out of the gate, the first female-led superhero film of the new era, the golden age of superhero movies that was kicked off by X-Men, of course, way back in the day. And then we got Black Widow coming off an emotional ending for the character in Endgame. So which one of these two will be bigger? Which one of these two am I most looking forward to? All right, I'll answer the one I'm looking forward to more first. The one I'm actually looking forward to more is Wonder Woman 84. That's, that's the one I'm more excited about at this point. And the reason I'm more excited for Wonder Woman 84 is because I already know what I'm getting with Patty Jenkins directing Wonder Woman. I thought Patty Jenkins did an insanely good job with the first Wonder Woman film. Despite some limitations she had to deal with, I thought she pulled off an engaging, fun, exciting movie. It had a few problems here and there. Yes, it wasn't the best comic book movie of the year, but I thought they did a really good job, especially for the first one out of the gate. Especially when you consider that Wonder Woman came out in an environment where a lot of people weren't very excited about the DCEU. You know, there, there were some a lot of mixed reviews on a lot of the films and all that. And in the midst of that, it came out and hit pretty well. Black Widow, I've had no interest in either a Hawkeye or a Black Widow movie for a long time. I will admit the latest trailers of Black Widow have got me on board with it. I, I, I was like, okay, sign me up. I'm looking forward to seeing Black Widow. And I certainly love Scarlett Johansson in the role, but I'm just not there on the same level of excitement as I am for another Patty Jenkins directed comic book film. So I'm going to say Wonder Woman is the one I'm more excited about. But then that brings up the question about which one will be bigger. Because there's a couple of elements here, Aaron, that we have to take into consideration. One, of course, is that Wonder Woman is scheduled to come out in August. And as of right now, in as much as we were just talking about Tenet, we don't know that Tenet's going to make that release date. And while it seems likely that Wonder Woman can make the August release date, which is another full month later, <clears throat> we can't say that we know that for sure. And on top of that, even once the theaters do open, how slowly will people get back into the rhythm of going back to the movie theaters again? Mm -hmm. And so Wonder Woman may be out in theaters first, but first might not necessarily be the best position in this case. Or Tenet may come out in July 17th, do way better than expected. Mulan then comes out, does great, and we got the momentum back. So there's a few variables here that we got to take in consideration. But you know what? I'm still going to say this. I'm still going to say that Wonder Woman will do better at the box office for two reasons. One, again, this is already a proven property. We know Wonder Woman can do solo movies. We know what Patty Jenkins can do. The last one was really successful, and I think it's going to be the bigger film. The second element that I'm taking into consideration here is that I still think there are a lot of people out there, average filmgoers, are like, wait a minute, didn't Black Widow die? Didn't she die? In the last, like, and so I feel there's a little bit of an energy enthusiasm sap out of that, that people know, well, this is whatever happens in this movie is irrelevant. We know that in the next year after the events of this Black Widow movie, she dies, right? So that's not going to make the movie a failure. Black Widow is going to be a success. Black Widow is going to be successful. But I'm going to go on a limb right now and say, I think Wonder Woman will be, is the film that I'm more excited about. And I think Wonder Woman 
given the variables still, I still think Wonder Woman is going to end up being the bigger film. So anyway, that's how I see it. Aaron, you look at this. Which one are you more excited for? And which one do you think is going to be the bigger film? I'm definitely more excited about Wonder Woman. Um, and, you know, I, I, I want to be excited about Black Widow. I think Scarlett Johansson did a fantastic job. I enjoy her character. But I'm kind of on the same page as you. Like, Black Widow, Hawkeye, I don't really have... There's nothing driving me to see that. Now, the trailers look good. I'm not going to lie. But I just haven't had that thing that makes me really drawn in. Like, what? again, I go back to what is the story? And I... I, I'm just not clear on what this particular story with Black Widow is. Um, with Wonder Woman, yes, there is that continuation. I love the original, I mean, the, the, the first film, and also knowing that this is going to be the second in a trilogy with the um, Amazonians. Amazonians as well. Like, that is very exciting to me because I feel like this is a story that we're building upon. Um, and I also go, you know, yes, the average film viewer who is familiar is going to know that Black Widow died. But if I'm someone who if, if i'm someone who is totally outside of the world of comic book films and i know nothing about like who black widow is and what where she fits into it and i'm looking at these two things i'm gonna go with wonder woman it's an it's a name that the non-comic book world is a lot more familiar with as far as her story goes. I mean, yes, everyone's heard of Black Widow, of course. But if I'm looking also, I mean, I remember when I went to see Wonder Woman, how many people brought their kids to yeah. see Wonder Woman. And I feel like parents already know Wonder Woman is a movie that I can bring my kids to and I feel safe and I'm not worried about what they're going to see. I don't necessarily know that Black Widow is marketed to younger people in the same way. Does that make sense? Yep, I, I feel like, DC, like D D DCU is a little bit more... Um, it, it's not marketed as dark. I feel as oh, I think a lot of people would disagree with that. I, I mean, one of the big probably. complaints, one of the big complaints a lot of people had about. I don't agree with the complaints, mm -hmm. but one of the big complaints a lot of people had about the DCU was that it was too dark. It was too grim and dire and all that kind of stuff. And well, and I, oh, uh, you know, I mean, we're, when we're talking about the Batman films, a hundred percent, yeah. But I, I guess maybe I'm just talking about when I see Superman, I see Wonder Woman. Maybe it's just the fact that by the virtue of their characters, they're just mm. lighter characters in general. You know, when I'm looking, if I'm thinking. I'm a, as a parent, I'm not a parent, but if I were a parent and I'm going, which film do I want to bring my kids to? I go, Wonder Woman. She just seems like Superman, a little bit more light, effervescent, you know, a little bit more positivity versus Black Widow, more just has a more sinister feel. And I'm, again, not talking about character development. So before people start ripping me, well, Black Widow is this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying someone who does not know anything about the world of comic books, just the two side by side, um, Wonder Woman seems to be the more um, the more relatable. Right. And one that people understand a lot more. So the question we're going to ask you guys is, what do you think? As a matter of fact, I decided to make that the topic of today's question of the day. I asked you guys to chime in on this. I put this poll up on my Twitter just before we started the show. And I asked you guys, which will be the biggest, not best, superhero film of 2020, Black Widow or Wonder Woman? And uh, right now, almost 2,000 of you guys have already voted. And right now, a slight majority of you guys are saying Wonder Woman. 59.1% of you are saying Wonder Woman is going to be the biggest box office film uh, in the genre, despite the fact that it is 
right now scheduled to open earlier and 40.9% of you guys are saying you think it's going to be Black Widow. I'm going to leave that poll up for the rest of the day so you guys can go on over there and register your votes. But for now, jump down to the comment section, guys. What do you think is going to be the bigger film out of the two? And out of the two, which one are you most excited about? Jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Steve Calderon, who writes, Reports saying that Disney is moving forward with Pirates of the Caribbean reboot with Karen Gillan being eyed as the new lead. I love Karen and always been a big fan of her work. However, do you think she can carry a blockbuster on her own without having another big name star attached to her, especially taking over a film franchise like Pirates after Johnny Depp? All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Steve. And yes, we this needs to be made very, very clear. There are stories going around, report going around that Disney, which of course we've known for a long time, Disney has been looking at rebooting the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise or going in a new direction, a fresh start, if you will, with the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, sans Johnny Depp. Now, I don't really know what their direction is going to be or how they're going to go and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, for me, the while I have loved the Captain Jack Sparrow character, it's been played out. It's gotten tired. And I, I think a lot of people felt that in the last film. It's just gotten tired at this point. It's a film that got Johnny Depp. It's a character that got Johnny Depp an Academy Award nomination in the first one. And his portrayal of the character has been charming and great. But it's it, a lot of people feel like it's done. And we saw that in the last film. So they're looking at going in a whole new direction. And they even had the writers of Deadpool on to try to write a new fresh start of it. They brought other people in and all that kind of stuff. But now there's a story going around. And it should be mentioned that this is not confirmed. Right now, this is just a story. All right. But let's take a look at this report that's been going around. Here's what it comes. It comes from the Diz Insider, which usually gives a lot of information about various Disney projects. But it says, according to insider Daniel Richmond, Studio is, in fact, going the reboot route and are currently looking for a female lead. And one name at the top of Disney list to lead the reboot is Avengers Endgame and Jumanji star, the next level, uh, Karen Gillan. This is something I can also confirm. This is from the Disney Insider. I can also confirm as I've heard rumblings of Gillan as early as last fall. All right. So right now we find ourselves in this situation where Disney wants to still have more swashbuckling pirate action adventure films set in that world of Pirates of the Caribbean. But at the same time, they know that their current franchise has run out of steam. Even though the last one still made a lot of money, it took a significant dip at the box office and a lot of people felt like it was kind of tired out at this point. But they still want to go back to that world. So they want a fresh start. They want a new lead character. They want a new lead face. And they go with Karen Gillan. Now, I'll, I'll say this. She has really been upping her stock because everybody liked her as Nebula. But when we got into Endgame, there were a lot of MCU fans that said, actually, the standout character for a lot of people was Nebula in that. Karen took that to the next level. She took that character to the next level in Endgame and did a great job with it. And then, of course, she was standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. She was fantastic in those Jumanji movies, particularly in the first one. So... I think you got to ask yourself the question, if there was ever a time for a studio to jump in to the Karen Gillan game and give her a shot to lead her own franchise, she's proven she can be a part of them. 
it probably seems like now's a good time to give her that opportunity. So if Disney feels like they need and they want to continue on doing a you know, Pirates of the Caribbean universe and a Pirates of the Caribbean world that they live in, and they want a new character to do it, I think you could do a lot worse than a Karen Gillum right now. I mean, look, can she carry one on her own? Won't know till she tries, but she's been in a lot of big films, Aaron. She's been in a number of very big, high-profile films. She knows what the spotlight is. She knows the pressure. She knows the fan expectations of other, frankly, bigger franchises than Pirates of the Caribbean. She knows how to deal with it, and I think if you're going to take a gamble on her, now might be the time, and this might be a good time to do it. It still raises the question about whether they should even be going forward with any Pirates of the Caribbean movies anymore at all. Disney seems to feel they still have something there with that world. They just need new characters at this point. Aaron, let me ask you. Number one question is, is it time, the, the TMZ drama stuff aside, is it time just narratively for them to move on from the Captain Jack Sparrow character? If so, should they even be doing any more Pirates movies at all? And if so, what do you think the idea about using a Karen Gillan at this point to jump in there? Well, the thing that we also... You know, let's not forget that Pirates of the Caribbean is not just a phenomenally successful film franchise. It's also a really cute ride at Disneyland and yes, Disney World. <laughs> and so Disney, because they own both entities, have a really wonderful way of being able to tie those two together and therefore push whatever they want. And so I love the I, I love the idea of uh you know a pirates film featuring there's featuring a female pirate there's so many really incredible stories about female pilots th pirates throughout history Chang Sao um and boot and Anne Bonnie Mary Reed if you just go back and read their stories they're phenomenal they're they're incredible and I love the idea that some of these storylines of these women who are pirates are going to be explored and those are going to be you know just like we saw whenever you take the pirates of the caribbean ride at disneyland all of a sudden johnny depp's face is everywhere you go <laughs> you know they're going to start doing the same thing this will be this will be co-opted with a whole thing with the pirates of the caribbean ride um, I do think it's time for Captain Jack Sparrow to take a little break. That doesn't mean that we're not going to maybe see him pop up in another, you know, if this becomes one of another series of Pirates movies. Um, we'll probably see him pop up here and there in some way. But yeah, I do think it's time to pass the torch. It'll be interesting to see what other characters and what other um, exciting dynamic actors are brought on to you know, fill around. But this is also, this is how stars are made is someone gets, someone does a studio film and the studio goes, oh, well, that went really well. Let's give them another studio film or let's, you know, we have a deal with them, for example, like the, we, we have a three picture deal with this actor. So we're going to find movies to put this person in. And that person continues to show up, continues to deliver, continues to get positive feedback. And then it's time for that person to step up to the next level. They're not going to give a franchise of this magnitude to someone that they don't have full faith has the ability to carry it. She has more than proven her weight in all of these huge studio pictures that she's done so far. And I think that this is a great opportunity for her and, and, and a good opportunity for them to reboot the franchise with someone that they know they can count on. Yeah, and I should mention here too, you know, as much as I talk about you could really feel in the last Pirates movie that it had tired itself out. That being said, and that's true, like when I was watching it, I felt, yeah, this, this, this franchise is spent. 
I still thought the last film wasn't all that bad. Like mm -hmm. as as a final farewell, I still thought the last film wasn't all that bad, and it still made I think around seven hundred million dollars. The last one, a significant dip, but I, it still made seven hundred million dollars. And I listen. I'll be honest with you, it's. The Pirates of the Caribbean franchise to me is a lot like the Transformers franchise. Mm. I really love the first one and I haven't really liked any of them since. But the last one I actually thought was probably the best Pirates movie since the first. That's not saying much, mm -hmm. but it's at least there. And I think if they decided to make another one, I think that would have been understandable. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I feel like it's time for them to try something fresh, something different, something new. And I think you're right. I think this world of Pirates of the Caribbean there's a lot of characters to explore. So there's a many lot characters. of stories to tell. And it's really not like, yes, Johnny Depp did a fantastic job and he really brought people in as yeah. Captain Jack Sparrow. But Pirates of the Caribbean is not about Johnny Depp. It was around before Johnny Depp. It was. It will be around after Johnny Depp as far as a concept and a story. Um, and so I, I think that this is a really, and, and now's the right time for it. All right. Well, the question for you guys is this. What do you think about this? Now, of course, this is all we're going on an assumption right now and just saying for argument's sake, let's say that the reports are real and true. OK, and at this point, there has been no confirmation. We need to keep that very, very clearly in mind that this has not been confirmed by anybody and it may never happen. But let me ask you in the theoretical. If so, what do you think about Disney wanting to move on and kind of have a fresh start within the Pirates of the Caribbean universe and in looking for a new person to lead it? What do you think about somebody like a Karen Gillan doing it? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move on to our third and final main topic today. And our third and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Imran. And Imran writes, According to Heroic Hollywood, Warner Brothers have temporarily stopped development on the Supergirl movie and instead shifted its focus back to returning Superman to the theaters. I know Heroic Hollywood aren't exactly Deadline or The Hollywood Reporter, but could there be some truth to this report? I'm so hoping there is. Hashtag justice for Cavill. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, look, let's just get this straight up and out of the way. Heroic Hollywood is not we got this covered right heroic hollywood is not we got this covered we got this covered which nobody should ever listen to under any circumstances anytime <laughs> uh, for anything that they have as a breaking story never like if they're reporting something other people are reporting there might be something too, but any breaking scoops no and that's not heroic hollywood that's not them at all heroic hollywood is hit and miss they are hit and miss but in saying that they're hit and miss that really does literally mean sometimes they're they're right. Sometimes sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. And so whenever a report comes out of them, I always put at least one eye on it. I don't take it as gospel truth, unlike like if it comes from Variety, the Hollywood Reporter, or Deadline, or one of the major trades. But you know, if it's something's coming out of Heroic Hollywood, put an eye on it and, and see what kind of transpires. Anyway, for those of you wondering, okay, hey, what is this story that they're talking about? Well. This is what's going on. According to a new report from Heroic Hollywood, Warner Brothers has put development on hold for the planned Supergirl movie. The report indicates that it doesn't make sense to follow up Superman's appearance in Justice League with a Supergirl movie. Not that it, that matters at all. It was a it was a three second appearance anyway. And so the studio has instead shifted its focus back to returning Superman to theaters. All right. The one thing I can tell you right off the top is this is that being the reason for doing that is one of the stupidest things I'd ever heard. Oh, well, we had a faceless 
a faceless Superman from the shoulder down make a three-second appearance in Shazam? We can't possibly do a Supergirl movie now. That's one of the most idiotic things I've ever heard. If, if there is any truth to the idea that Warner Brothers may be pivoting away from doing a Supergirl movie and maybe looking back at Superman, if there's any truth to that, I can guarantee effing to you that it has nothing to do with well, wait a minute. People will be so confused since we had a faceless Superman for three seconds at the end of Shazam. That is in no way a motivating factor here. Like, no effing way that that's a motivating factor. It would be one of the most idiotic reasonings in the world. That being said, you guys know how I feel about Henry Cavill's Superman. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I don't know if I have it here. Let me, let me reach over here and... Uh, I don't even know if this is plugged in right now. I think it is. But just for those of you who may may or may not know. It's plugged in. Oh, is it plugged in? Yeah. Just for those of you who may or may not know. Like, um, in my studio, always and forever, looking <laughs> over me. So you see, like, making me feel safe in my studio, overseeing all that I say and do, is, of course, Henry Cavill Superman. Henry Cavill Superman is there looking out for me. I just, I, he, he's my security blanket, ladies and gentlemen. He's my security blanket. I got to have him there watching over, protecting the broadcast. You guys know how I feel about Henry Cavill Superman. I want another Henry Cavill Superman movie. And if there's any validity to the idea that they're pivoting away from a Supergirl movie to go back to Superman, great. Because I, Henry Cavill's my favorite Superman of all time. I've always thought that the notion of a, a Supergirl movie was very contradictory to Warner Brothers' past history, but not so much lately. They're already doing a Flash movie, supposedly, that I don't think is ever actually going to happen, but we'll see. While they have a Flash TV series going. And now they're talking about doing a Supergirl movie while they've got a Supergirl TV series going. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Plus, you guys know me. I, I've never been big on derivative characters. I am not a real big fan of derivative characters. There are some exceptions to that. Basically speaking, I don't want I don't want Superboy the movie. Okay? I don't want a Superboy movie. I want Superman. I don't want a Supergirl movie. I want Superman. I am just like I don't want in the same vein I wouldn't want a, you know, in in the Wonder Woman universe, I don't want them to do a Wonder Man who is like who's also like he's kind of like why the last man he's the last male male dude on Themyscira and now he comes to the world and he's Wonder Man <laughs> I don't like derivative characters generally speaking there are some exceptions but just generally speaking so I don't know let's listen is this report true honestly right now I would say it's a coin toss but damn if it is true you're going to be looking at one happy campia. You're going to be looking at one very, very happy campia if it is true. Not because I hate the idea of a Supergirl movie, but I really do want Henry Cavill back as Superman. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I unfortunately, maybe I'm just being bitter and skeptical and ever, but I don't think it's going to happen. But man, it would be damn sweet if it did. Aaron, you hear this story about maybe... You know, there were reports that Warner Brothers was looking, they were moving away from Superman and they were going to instead focus on Supergirl movies. Now we're hearing some reports saying that they may go back the other way. I don't know. What do you make of this whole mess? Okay. I, I can't get the image of the last man on Themyscira. <laughs> like out of, by the way, his name's Larry. Larry, and he's yeah. he's a little overweight. 
He's a little overweight. He's, he's pampered a lot. so over it. <laughs> like, because it, it could go one of two ways. You could look at like the last man on Themyscira. It, like, oh my God, this guy really is, you know, living life. Or he could be the most miserable human ever. Like Smurfette, who's just constantly over all the Smurfs. Like, why do I, <laughs> like, I, I, I would never want to be in Smurfette's position. Um, so, sorry, I just ha- went off on that little tangent there. That was a very fun, <laughs> fun adventure for me to go on. Thank Thank you so much, John. Um, yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I don't it I I'm just not excited about, as you said, derivative characters. Um, I feel like Supergirl has done brilliantly as a television show. And, you know, kudos to the Greg Berlanti world for you know making it so. Um, but yeah, I'm just not interested in the film version of that. I feel like there's so many other uh great superheroes, you know male and female but like if you're wanting to go specifically for a female superhero film there's a lot of other female superheroes that have not yet been explored um in any capacity and there's always going to be those direct comparisons of any supergirl movie to superman that being said there's also been what six you know including batman versus superman six superman films not including justice league well well if with this particular incarnation well with henry cavill yes yeah i mean we had well we had the four christopher reeve movies right. and then we had the brandon routh movie mm-hmm. and then we had man of steel and then we had um and then we're not even talking about all the television incarnations of, of course uh, and then of course we had batman versus superman and then we had justice league so uh yeah eight Superman films. Yeah, so maybe it's not even about another Superman or a Supergirl movie as much as it is just finding a a, a new superhero that we can elevate to uh to to the consciousness of the of the comic book fans. You know, I I don't know. I'm I'm not in the same world of Henry Cavill love as you are. Um, That's my bromance. Hey, I get it. That's my bromance. I, I, I totally get it. And and this is no disrespect for, to Henry Cavill. Um, I just go, okay, well, we've had six of them. Can we, is there anything else going on? Is there well, anything yeah, new? To be fair, I mean, six done over 40 years. So it's not like we've had six of them done in the last okay. five no, years. No, you're right. You're and right. he is Superman. Superman is not my favorite comic book character. Let's be clear about that. Yeah, Magneto is my favorite. I find him a little milk toast, to be honest. But I mean, it's a little too good for me. I like somebody with some danger. The granddaddy of all superheroes. He is. He is Zeus in the Olympian <laughs> annals of superheroes. He's Zeus. I mean, you you gotta have Superman. I mean, I don't okay. know. This is how. I, but okay. the question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Well, I'm not even sure there's any validity to this story, so let's be very clear about it. If it's true, great, because not because great, oh, they're shutting down Supergirl, but great that, oh my God, I'm getting Superman. But I don't know, what do you think is going to be happening here? What do you want to have happen? Jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys, listen. It's now time for us to move on to our live questions part of the day. So what we're going to do here is this. I pre-recorded me answering some of the early questions that got sent in. So we're going to play that for you now while Aaron and I refill our drink. So here is Earth 2, John, getting started on the earlier versions of the questions. And then we'll be right back to pick it up live. All right. We'll see you in just a minute. All right, let's get things started with the questions that got sent in early for today's show. The Tuzzler writes... What if the MCU Hercules was introduced? Uh, use the sent- the comic version, because of course there is no Hercules in the MCU. You mean the comic version. The galactically famous pampered celebrity. I don't think we've seen someone like that in the MCU apart from Tony. Cast Henry Cavill. Well, it doesn't really matter who you cast, but I, I think you're not going to see 
Kevin Feige take Hercules into the MCU. And one of the big reasons of that is this, that while Thor is also a public domain character, Thor was also a very important figure in the comic books. And, and I would suggest that in the pantheon of Marvel characters in the comic books, Hercules isn't one of the more important ones. You know, he's not a Spider-Man. He's not an Iron Man. He's not a Thor. He's not a Hulk. You know, it's not one of the more important characters. Thor is. Thor is an important character uh, in the Marvel comic universe. So bringing him, plus he was a, a mainstay in the Avengers, bringing him into the movies was one thing. But being another character that's in the public domain, Hercules, anybody can make a Hercules film if they wanted to. Anybody can make a Hercules movie if they want to. The only catch is you can only use aspects of Hercules that were not introduced by other people or comics or stories or shows, whatever, using that character as well, right? So for example, if I did a Hercules film and introduced the idea of his best little friend, Mogi Mogi, and Mogi Mogi is this little Greek fella who follows Hercules around, well, then nobody else can use Mogi Mogi. You know what I mean? Long and short of it is though is this, is that too many other projects are going, not to mention Disney has their own Hercules going, right? Disney, which owns Marvel, has their own Hercules going. So I just don't see it being a fit. And I don't see why Kevin Feige want to do that. Plus it would cause a lot of confusion. So no, I don't think Kevin Feige probably has any, or any inclination to use a Hercules character. But I mean, it is Kevin Feige, so you never know what will happen. But it just seems there are too many reasons not to use a Hercules uh, for them to go ahead and do it. All right, next up, Ben Rayner writes, a quote I use all the time for no reason is Mother Hobbert or Mother Hover uh, from The Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know why it stuck with me, uh, but it did. And now I say it when I'm annoyed at something. So there's this scene, of course, uh, where Peter, I, I think Gwen is uh, going to do something dangerous and he can't talk her out of it. And she hangs up on him and he's like, Mother Hover or something like that, which was not only funny in the scene because it's expressing his desire to swear, but he doesn't swear because he's Peter Parker. It was pretty funny the way they use it in that. So yeah, I like that one too, Ben. I like that one a lot. All right, next up, uh, Tyrone27 writes, Hi, John. Just wanted to say greetings from the NT Australia. I don't know whether the NT is, but I know where Australia is. Uh, or as you Yanks call it, I'm not a Yank. I am Canadian, although I do live in, in the United States. Uh, call it the Outback. Only 28 COVID-19 returned from overseas. Zero death spread. Uh, have worked in the U.S. and Canada. Miss Banff. Uh, Banff is probably the most beautiful place in the world. Uh, Banff, Alberta is probably the single most beautiful place in the world. Anyway, excuse me while I ride my kangaroo to work. All right, man. Hey, listen, thanks for writing that in and thanks for saying hello. And it sounds like I, I don't know what the situation is in Australia when it comes to the lockdown, but it sounds like you guys got a handle on it. And that's awesome. I hope that we here in the United States got a handle on it and in Canada get a handle on it sooner or later, as well as some other countries have across the world. So thanks so much for saying hi, man. I really appreciate it. May you stay in good health, my friend. All right, next up, Raymond Reddington writes, I've been noticing that smaller slash hometown theaters have been selling concession stand food to customers to help keep operating. Why aren't larger theaters like AMC and Regal doing the same thing? Mostly because there's no money to be made. You're not going to make any money. Um, like as much as I, I, I'm not a good case scenario because I am addicted to to movie theater popcorn. I don't even eat popcorn at home. I only get movie the I only get movie theater popcorn. Uh, it's not even that it's the best popcorn. When I'm in a movie theater, I gotta have it. And maybe if AMC was open, like just open their concession stands, maybe 
I would go and pick up a bag of popcorn to watch a movie at home so I feel more like I'm at the movies or something like that. Maybe. But the reality is this. Most people are not going to go and buy an $8 bag of popcorn. Some idiots like me might. But when just opening the building, turning on the lights, running the equipment, and paying staff to be there, I honestly don't think they're going to come out in the black on that. I actually think it would probably cost a big theater like that more money to do it than they would make in in selling it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't think it would make much sense for them to do it. And so, because you're paying, you know, some kid, you know, 10, 12 bucks an hour. You're, so you're paying, say, three of them. So there's like 36 bucks an hour. You're paying just that. Plus you've got the lights on. Then you got to pay insurance. And then maybe, I don't know, enough people will buy it just to, just to cover the expenses of doing it. So listen, if I live right next door to a mom and pop popcorn shop where they don't have to pay somebody, they can go in and do it themselves. Maybe it makes more sense. But I think the main reason, listen, companies want to make money. And if AMC and Regal thought that by doing that, they'd be actually be generating revenue, I'm sure they'd be doing it. But I, I really don't think there's much money to be made there because most people would rather, you know, order out from McDonald's and pay $8 for a bag of popcorn to watch at home. So that's my guess why they don't do it at any rate. Uh, okay. Gerard, Gerald Vanderpool writes, has anybody mentioned the possibility of the next Ant-Man film leading to an encounter with the Micronauts? No, and there's a very good reason for that, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I believe it was Mar a Marvel book based on the Mego uh, toy line of characters. The artwork and stories were great for that time and had fascinating, uh, had fascinating CH. I'm not sure what CH is. So as you kind of pointed out in your own thing, the Micronauts do not belong to Marvel. That's the problem, right? So a lot of Marvel characters, they belong to Marvel. They are Marvel properties. The Micronauts are not a Marvel property. Uh, they had a license to do them in the comics, but they are not theirs. They, If I'm not mistaken, they belong to Hasbro. And as a matter of fact, there's already a Micronauts movie coming, and it's being directed um, by the guy who directed the uh, How to Train Your Dragon uh, movies, Dean... I want to say Dublois or Dublois or I've never known how to pronounce his last name. Anyway, the guy who directed the How to Train Your Dragon movies is directing that for Paramount. Hasbro and Paramount are bringing us a Micronauts movie. Now, if I'm not mistaken, there was even an early draft of that script written by uh, uh, Reese and Wernick, like the two guys who wrote the Deadpool movie. But I think the guy who's directing now, Dean something or other, I think he's rewriting the script. But at any rate, it doesn't belong to Marvel. Paramount's already doing a Micronauts movie, so no, nobody's floated the idea, nor can you float the idea of the Micronauts showing up in an Ant-Man film. But thanks for asking, Gerald. I appreciate that, man. All right. Raymond Reddington also writes, the COVID-19 pandemic, pandemic stopped TV production in its tracks and movie production and everything. Have you heard that the Blacklist uh, last show of the season will use animation along with everything they filmed before production stopped? What do you think about that? Yeah, so... Unfortunately, The Blacklist is one of the shows I watch pretty regularly. And unfortunately, because of the shutdown, they have shortened their season from 22 episodes to 19. And the final episode, 19, is going to be a mixture of animation and some live action stuff that they were able to shoot before everything got shot down. And from what I understand, it's going to be like the motion graphic novel style of animation, like not full-blown animation, but, you know, when you watch the motion graphic style stuff on videos and things like that, apparently that's what they're going to do. I'm not happy with that, but 
it is making the best of a bad situation. As somebody who watches The Blacklist, I'm not thrilled that they need to do this, and I don't think it's a great idea. However, if the option is that, or they don't get to complete the season, well, then I'll take it. I mean, it's it's making the best of a bad situation, and I appreciate that they're trying to come up with creative ways. I still wish they could have just shot it, but they can't, so in the absence of the best scenario, which is them actually shooting the final episodes, I'll take it. Hey, you got to do what you got to do right now, right? It is crazy times right now. They just got to do what they got to do. So I accept that. All right. Chase Lee writes, uh, one of two. Avatar, T-L-A, oh, The Last Airbender, uh, is my favorite show of all time. I loved it when I was a kid, but wow, uh, it is so much better watching it as an adult. There is so much depth and philosophy within the show, especially with Uncle Iro, my favorite character. Not only is the world amazing with Asian influences and music, characters use real martial arts techniques to bend, each element having a different martial arts style, but above all else, the characters are well-written, so amazing with my favorite character arc ever. You would love Iro. Yeah, I've never, I don't watch, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, the the animated show. I've had a few people try to get me onto it, and maybe at some point I will. Uh, I know they're doing a new live-action thing for Netflix, which has got a lot of fans of the original animated series very excited. I know Chris Carr is very big. Like, she's the most knowledgeable person I know about Avatar The Last Airbender. As a matter of fact, uh, Chris Carr, you should look up her. She does a lot of videos about Avatar The Last Airbender um, that you should check out. They were the first things I looked up when she applied to work with me, uh, and I got her resume. That was one of the first things I looked up was her Avatar The Last Airbender videos. So she's very knowledgeable on it and loves that stuff a lot, so you should check her stuff out. So, But you know what I think? One, whenever they get around to we're about to get the live action series, I'll probably try to make myself sit down and watch the uh, the animated stuff because, like I said, it's got a very passionate following. And um, yeah, I'll probably check it out at some point. Thank you for sharing your passion for it, Chase. All right, next up. Uh, and the final question before we throw it back over to live motion action. Uh, Willow writes, I didn't watch Paranoia after hearing all the horrendous reviews, but I did search up clips of Liam Hemsworth running in the movie. Did you notice anything funny about the way he runs? I didn't think it was as ridiculous as some people were saying. You know, you bring that up. We were just talking about Paranoia on the show the other day because, you know, somebody had asked me, you know, what do I think of Liam Hemsworth as an actor? And I I think he's a my limited exposure to him. He seems like a terrific guy, um, but I, I honestly do not think he's a very talented actor. And hey, it's all subjective, right? Another person may think he's a great actor. Some people think um, one movie sucks. So another person thinks the movies are great. And I'm sure there are people who think Liam Hemsworth is a great actor. Awesome. For me, he just does not work. But he's really young and he could get much better. I'm just saying he has not worked. And one of the things I pointed out was the movie Paranoia in which he appeared as the star with supporting performances from Gary Oldman and Harrison Ford. How they talk Gary Oldman and Harrison Ford to be supporting characters in a Liam Hemsworth-starred movie, I have no idea. But he's quite dreadful in it. He's very bad in it. That being said, I don't recall ever thinking there being anything weird about the way he runs. What is it lately with people criticizing the way actors run? I mean, I've been seeing that more and more lately, and I don't get whatever. All, look, all I know is 
when I watched the film, I never walked out thinking, wow, that was really strange the way he ran. I, I never thought that. So maybe if I went back and watched it again, maybe if I was looking for it, I would see something weird about it. But all, all I know is that as an audience member sitting down and watching it, it never struck me as being weird the way he ran. I don't know. Maybe you guys did think it was weird the way he ran. Anyway, guys, that will do it for my time right now. Let's now throw back to real time, John. See you later. All right, guys, and we are back. Let's now get into real time stuff and start taking uh, your questions here. Nerd Aaron writes, I was not arguing that Endgame is a standalone film. My point is that it was. Um, uh, oh, wait, so I think we actually answered this one. We did answer this one already. Where? So where do we got to get started? Uh, we need to get started with. Sorry, guys, I should have had this totally set up. BPMC writes, my Tarantino ranking, a 10, Jackie Brown. Number nine, Death Proof. Number eight, Hateful Eight. Number seven, Kill Bill Volume 2. Number six, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number five, Reservoir Dogs. Number six, Inglorious Bastards. Number three, Django. That's my number one. Uh, number two, Kill Bill Volume 1. And number one, Pulp Fiction, which is an all-time great. I think my a great number, list. I, I think for me, I would, my top three... And these would change from day to day, I think. But my top three, I think, would be Django, Inglorious Bastards, and Pulp Fiction. If you had to say what your favorite Quentin Tarantino film was, Aaron, what would you say? Oh, I love Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah. Jackie I Brown's love great. Jackie Brown. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, look who decided oh, look who, to join me. Look who popped in. And she's in her uh, her little R2 outfit. R2-D2 outfit for May the 4th. I don't know if you saw her picture. I did. This is Chewbacca. It I was gotta, great. She's been downstairs keeping Anne company. Joey's been downstairs with Anne, so we just brought her up during gotta the Gotta get her a little Baby Yoda outfit. Um, okay, let's see. What next is here? If you guys are wondering, why are you skipping over all these questions? Because these were questions that were sent in last night during our, our poker, uh, when I was doing my poker play in chat. That's what those questions are for. All right, Derek writes, Hey, John, here's my unique list of top 10 movies. Number 10, Goon. I, I like Goon, actually. Leave Schreiber, uh, a dude from Dude, Where's My Car? I'm forgetting his why my Oh, uh, Sean Michael, Sean, Sean William Lane Scott. Scott. Yes. I love Goon. Goon's Tom, really good. Tom and I quote that movie all the time. And the one line we always quote is, show us your dick. Show us your dick. No, it's gay if you don't show us your dick. <laughs> like I, that scene at the bar where they're trying to get him to show them his dick is the funniest. I love I, the whole movie. It was it was really cool. Um, what else? So, so Goon, number nine, Happy Gilmore, number eight, Toy Story, number seven, Jurassic Park, uh, number six, Ready Player One. I really did like Ready Player One. Number five, Lord of the Rings Trilogy, number four, Chronicle, number three, Kingsman, The Secret Service, number two, Spider-Man Homecoming, number one, Endgame. So a whole very eclectic mix of films there, Derek. All right, let's move on here to our next one that was sent in for today's show and not last night during our play-in chat. Uh... I'm so pro. I really should have had this set up. Okay. Gabriel Reed writes, my pet peeve is when people fan cast actors simply based on appearance of characters, they want them portrayed. I get it. Some resemblance maybe, but it all comes down to talent and foremost thoughts. You know, I did answer this last night, but I'll answer it again. I agree with you. I, I think, and it's, you know what? I've, I've been guilty of this too. I fully admit I've been guilty of this too, but this is something we as fans do. That is one of the dumber things that we do, which is, you know, a, a, a role comes up. And instantly we try to think, because I kid you not, I remember Aaron, and I, and I talked about this last night. I remember when they were getting ready to do Batman versus Superman, and it became known that there was going to be a Lex Luthor character. Two names kept coming up for the same reasons. One was, oh, 
you've got to get Billy Zane. Billy Zane has to be Lex Luthor. And I'm like, really? Why? And all that was circular around because there was this movie Billy Zane did not too terribly long ago where he had a shaved head. And so these promo pictures of Billy Zane with a shared head. Oh, therefore, he's got to be Lex Luthor. Look at him. Right. And then, of course, there was Brian Cranston because, you know, when he had his sh- and all the pictures of him with him, look, look at him as bald. He has to be now. <laughs> Brian Cranston is also a world-class actor sure. who I would have loved to see as Lex Luthor for sure. But but we all do that, right? Mm-hmm. We all do that. And it's really not the most important thing at all no i mean you look at an actor like philip seymour hoffman or um oh my gosh i'm blanking on her name but uh brilliant uh chameleon actress uh that like that's what actors do and that's why actors also can spend several hours in the hair and makeup trailer getting you know recreating their their faces and and their hair to look like these characters i mean look at uh what we were saying about Charlize theron in bombshell you know, right, how yeah. she was able to transform her jaw to look like Megan Kelly. I mean, I think that uh, it, it really comes down to the talent of the actor and you can make the actor look like whatever you want. Uh, all right. Next up, uh, <clears throat> Abdullah al Ghanem writes, hey, John, I want to say that my movie Instagram blog just hit 500 followers. That is no small feat, man. Congratulations on that. Well, it's nothing to most. I'm very proud of myself. Thank you for inspiring me to start it. My question is, which on-screen couple did you prefer, Jim and Pam or Ben and Leslie from Parks and Rec? All right. It's a good question. It's a very, very good question. And and I, I just want to point out here that my answer in no way reflects which show I prefer, whether it's The Office or Parks and Rec. It's got to be Jim and Pam. Yeah. It's got to be Jim and Pam. I love the Ben and Leslie relationship. I think it's great. And they were, again, they recaptured the magic recently with their Parks and Recreation reunion special they just had on air, which was so perfect. But it's got to be Jim and Pam. I mean, that that was America's relationship right there. I don't know. So, I don't, Aaron, Ben and Leslie or Jim no, and Pam? Totally Jim and Pam. And especially because it was the, the, the will they, won't they. We felt that for so long with them as we watched their relationship evolve over the years. Um, and I, what I loved about Jim and Pam is that they we knew what they were thinking when they were just giving each other a look. And it sort of, it, it gives me a sense of, like, I immediately start smiling whenever I think of of, of Jim and Pam. I think they're fantastic. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but I don't know. Like, um, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's any comparison, really. All right. Uh, next up here, Murray Reich writes, after loving the movie What We Do in the Shadows, I love that movie, I started watching the first season of the series, and it is so good and funny. The Baron episode was hilarious. I'm glad they kept the same theme song. It's stuck in my head. You're dead. You're dead. Uh, Aaron, have you have you watched? First of all, have you seen What We Do in Shadows, the movie? No, I haven't. <gasps> I know. Okay. Okay. I know. So you clearly haven't started watching What We Do in Sh- the Shadows, the TV series. No. I will admit, I didn't like the idea of them doing a What We Do in the Shadows TV series mm-hmm. after the movie. I thought that seems kind of gimmicky. The series might be my favorite show on television right now. At least until Lucifer comes back. Where can I watch the television show? It is all, all I know. I watch it on Hulu. So okay. I, but it's not, a, it's not a Hulu show. Mm-hmm. At least I don't think it's a Hulu, but that's where I, I watch it on Hulu. I'm not sure what. It might be an FX Okay, might be effects. Oh my god! But if you can, fun. but if I can find it on Hulu, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. I was, I, I was side, I was, conf- um, 
Yes, well, spit it out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I told you I had really bad insomnia last night. I'm not firing all cylinders today. Um, I was. That's what I was. I was distracted in the um, the last question because I was wanting to know where can I watch the Parks and Rec uh, social distancing episode? Oh, I, the NBC put it on YouTube. They did. Okay, because yep. I missed it when it first came out, and then I kept trying to Google where I could find it. Um, so no, where we do what we do in the shadows TV series on oh, Hulu. Watch the movie first. Okay. Okay. That's it, good to know. It's it's what it's it's what it's not the first thing Taika Waititi ever did, but it's what put Taika Waititi on the map. Oh, love Taika Waititi. And it's so good. And the series, I mean, oh my God, it is way better than I thought it would be. So okay. Well, I just finished late last night binging Ozark. So I'm finally finished with that. And I can now move on to my next project, which will clearly be what we do in the shadows. I still only ever got through three or four episodes of Ozark. Trust. Everybody tells me the same thing. Three. I need to get back Julia on Julia Gardner is brilliant she is brilliant she will win all the awards one day i she she and tom pelfrey together oh my god just magic all right let's move on here uh that's america's ass writes <laughs> there's an amc dine-in theater at disney world orlando if uh ever show the movie splash on their screens do they show the version where daryl hannah's ass gets covered by hair or will they embrace this for embrace it just messing with you yeah no I'm, I'm sure if they ever play it in theaters it will be the full version that they play in theaters Look, it is also important because there's I, I was surprised to find there is actually missing because I saw some people arguing this. Disney did not do the CGI hair extension and put that out on all versions of Splash. No, it's only for when they air it on Disney Plus. Much like a lot of television networks, when they air a movie, they'll you know change the F word into freaking or something like that. That's all it is. But everywhere else in Splash, you can still do it. So I'm sure America's ass, they would play the full version of it. All right, Artur writes, Hey, John, pick two actors who played superheroes in a theatrical movie and have them switch roles and do a decent to great job. I would switch uh, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth as I think Hemsworth would be great as Captain America and Evans as a great Thor. Ooh. I don't, I don't know that I see it. I don't know that I can see Chris Evans playing a Thor. Mm -mm. Um, by the way, if you've never seen it, I really should. I'll post it. You know what? I might play it on tomorrow's show. Maybe certainly the most ridiculous and funniest interview I ever did. And I know some of you have seen it because you have you guys write to me about it sometimes. Is me with Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans. It was one of the most bonkers. No, 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 not one of. It was the most bonkers, ridiculous experience I've ever had doing a press junk. And I mean that in all the best way. It was literally about 15 minutes of not being able to breathe laughing. Um, th they were amazing. Guys. I would say if I had to switch them up, uh, I'll do this. Hugh Jackman as Batman. Christian Bale as Wolverine. Oh, interesting. I, I, I think that could work. It's hard. It's hard to imagine Christian Bale as anything other than Batman. Hard to imagine Hugh Jackman as anything. Uh, Aaron, do you got any off the top of your head that you can see doing a little bit of a switcheroo with? Okay, so this is take. This is a departure from the comic book. But speaking of Chris's, Chris Pratt, yes, playing Captain Kirk, who I know is not a super. I know is not a comic right. book. Play, Chris Pratt playing Ca Captain Kirk and Chris Pine playing Sam from Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh. I could see that. Peter from Guardians of the Galaxy. Peter, uh, sorry. Quill, Star-Lord. Um, uh, you know Sam? what? You know what? I, I signed up. Who's you're, are you thinking of Sam like uh, Falcon? I don't know. No, oh, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Um, 
Anybody, I can Peter, see that Will. one. I can mm -hmm. totally see that one. All right, let's see. Andres Martinez writes, uh, how do people named Robert decide to be called either Rob or Bob? Example, John calls uh, Robert Meyer Burnett Rob. You also have an actor, Robert Odenkirk, shortened to Bob. And you know what? Uh, my brother. I have a brother whose name is Robert. So I just call everybody named Rob, uh, named Robert Rob. That's what I've always called my brother. My brother is Rob. Um, so I've just, I always think of them that same. I've never understood. I've never understood the people call people named Robert Bob. I've never understood that. The, the, B is not the first letter of their name. Nowhere in their name do the letters B-O-B follow in sequential order. I've never understood that. Uh, and so I, I know like Bobby, I get calling Rob or get, I get calling Bob. I, I never understood that. So for me, whenever somebody's named Robert, unless they're introduced to me as Bob so-and-so, I always refer to them as Rob. That's just me, but that's just because but of- But are people named Bob, are people actually named Bobby or are people that re are referred to as Bobby actually Roberts, but it's been shortened to Bob and then it's been extended to Bobby? All I know is that on Bobby Newport, going back to Parks and Rec, Bobby Newport's birth certificate says Bobby Newport. That's all I know. I'm sure somebody names their child and Bobby. to me, that's good enough to be law. That's good enough to be law to me. <laughs> All right, next up here, uh, Andres Martinez writes, oh no, that was Andres Martinez. Uh, AD writes, I know you always say that we should set our expectations aside and judge the film on its own merits, but I can't lie. I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't get to see any interaction between Anakin and Luke. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with being dis. I mean, look, you saw the movie and you came out thinking, ah, I, I kind of, kind of, I'm missing there was something I want. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as that... Like there are things that didn't happen. For instance, um, I never got to see Luke Skywalker in physical form wreck and shop, but that doesn't. And so I'm going to be disappointed about that, but that doesn't mean I can't still appreciate what they did and judge what they did in its own merits. So just because you're judging something on its own merits doesn't mean you as a film fan can't feel a little bit of loss that, oh, there was something I was kind of hoping to see and we didn't get it. There, there's nothing wrong with feeling that, and that doesn't mean you're letting it color your your perception of the movie as a whole. So you're perfectly cool to do that, man. There's nothing wrong with that at all in the world, AD. All right, uh, the Wakandan Forever writes, Hey, Earth 2 John, uh, why do you keep carrying that uh, carrying that Earth 1 guy? He is so yesterday. You can do it so much better. LOL, PS, I love President Carrot Top. Of course, President Carrot Top from Earth 2. The, the funny thing is, literally speaking, Earth 2 John is yesterday, John because that's when he recorded that. So just a little play on words there, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Wakanda also writes, I have to say the Year 2 John is my favorite new segment. You're always improving the show. And as a regular viewer, I really appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, and I, I do my best because I know there's nothing fun about a counting clock four minute break. I know there's nothing fun about that. So had the idea about pre-recording some of the early questions that came in and so that there's new stuff playing instead of a four minute countdown clock. Now I don't get around to doing it every single day because I, I don't always have time every single day to do it, but it is something that I'm always trying to do there. So thank you for that Wakanda and I appreciate that. Chris Warden writes, in all honesty, a new Pirates movie without Johnny Depp has failure written all over it. In my opinion, he is that franchise. I don't disagree. Here's the interesting thing, Chris. I don't disagree that he has been the franchise, but he's also been the franchise that has completely run out of gas. He has, he is the face of that franchise, but he's also the face of the part of the franchise that has completely spent itself and has run out of gas. The, 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 the Captain Jack Sparrow shtick is done. It's been played out. 
We've seen it in 87 different movies now. Um, and it's done. And I get the, the Pirates of the Caribbean world is a wide world. They can do tell other stories with swashbuckling adventure on the high seas. And it doesn't all have to use the shtick of Johnny Depp. Now, that being said, I wouldn't have been against the idea of doing one more because I didn't hate the last one. Um, so I wouldn't have been against it. But from a logical point of view, it makes sense. I think there is a good movie to be made in that universe without Captain Jack Sparrow. Now, what I would not have been for is then like, this new movie is going to be Captain Jack Sparrow, but now Tom Hiddleston is playing Jack and Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm, I wouldn't mm -hmm. have been for them replacing, like keeping the character, but replacing the actor. Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm -hmm. that, that's just it. He is that character. But that that whole thing's run out of gas. And they, they either need to just abandon the whole thing entirely, which I also don't think would be a bad idea. But if you want to do more swashbuckling adventures on the high seas in the world of Pirates of the Caribbean, you got to move on from Captain Jack Sparrow. I, at least that's how I kind of feel, uh, feel about that. All right, Cloud Wings writes, uh, regarding Chloe Grace Moretz, um, I hope they emphasize on skill and finesse, not just a copy of Wick. Well, John Wick has a lot of skill and finesse too. Uh, she's like five foot, 400 pounds and trying to arm bar guys will take me out of it. Hope to see a slick assassin, not a fighter. Well, here's the thing. If you've ever done any MMA, a five foot, 400 pound, a properly applied arm bar, she could break Dwayne Johnson's arm. A properly applied arm bar she could do that. I mean, well, of course, Stranger, I could just lift her straight up off the ground. So Dwayne Johnson's a bad example of that. <laughs> but you and I, yeah, she's a little girl, but a properly applied armbar done the right way, she can snap your arm, right? I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing about like joint manipulation and things like that. But I agree. They need to make sure that she fights more like, I don't know, what's a good example? More like a Tom Cruise fight would look, because Tom Cruise is a little guy. But She's got to fight more like a Tom Cruise than she would fight like a Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Because you watch Dwayne The Rock Johnson's action sequences, it's all power, right? Mm -hmm. It's power. So don't do that with her. If she is going to be the ballerina in the John Wick universe as a train killer assassin, you've got to tailor the action. Just like John Wick himself, Keanu Reeves is not an Adonis physical specimen. So you can't have his fighting style look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson's fighting style on camera. You got to tailor it to him. And that's what they did. So I totally agree. They need to do the same thing with Chloe Grace Moretz. If she is indeed going to be the ballerina, they have to tailor that fighting style to her, just like they did to Keanu Reeves. Like a video game. Like a video game. Thank you. Dan Ketchum writes, uh, Moretz will be a retired assassin. She's only 23. Yeah, but... Don't think, don't think of retired in the sense of she's been doing it for 27 years and it's time to punch out. No, no, no. It's like she could have been doing it for three or four years and just said, you know, I'm done. So that, I mean, that's just that. So yeah, think of, don't think of retirement as an age 65. Think of retirement of just like, you know, um, uh, why am I forgetting? He's already out of mind. The New England, the, the in New England, the Indianapolis Colt quarterback, uh, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's a young guy, but he retired. He just said, at some point, okay, I'm done. I've had enough. Walked away. Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Marshawn Lynch. Although he came back. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch is back. By the now. way, Marshawn Lynch in Westworld, like, we just love... Every time Marshawn Lynch comes on the screen uh, in Westworld, we just love him. We also love him when he talks about hitting people in the head over and over and over and over That's and funny. over and over. What? 
it. Yes, your camera. I broke the camera. You broke the camera. Give me a second to see if I can get it back on again. I'm not sure if it will. It might have overheated because it's so warm in here. Because I'm so hot. Because you're so hot. Because I'm so hot. But, All right, uh, well, but, bye, guys. This has been fun. Well, we got you back. I don't know if the camera will stay on, but we got you back. I don't know oh, why. we got me back. There we I got am. You back. Yeah, so when, you know that clip when I'm talking about when Marshawn Lynch talks about hitting people over and yes. over and over? Yeah, love Marshawn Lynch. But and good for him for protecting his brain. Yes. And, and his money. And and all of his money. All right. Uh, Ian A. Barth writes, uh, some call her Nebula. Uh, some call her Martha. Now, now more will call her by her pirate name, but I will always know her as Amy Pond. Glad to see her career will take off in such a big way after Doctor Who. Now, of course, understand this has not been confirmed that Karen Gillum is going to do that. By the way, I'm just assuming Amy Pond was her name in, in uh, Doctor Who, a show I don't watch, admittedly. But that's where a lot of people know her from is from Doctor Who. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that's what you're referring to. Uh, but yeah, listen, she's done a lot in her career. It is time for her to take the next step up and actually lead a franchise. She's been in all these big blockbusters. She knows how to handle the pressure. Let's see what she can do carrying a franchise. Uh, Ine Barth also writes, uh, just you wait, John. One of these days, you'll be up against me in a Star Wars trivia, and I will beat you. No, nobody will beat me. Uh, yeah. beat you because I watched the series finale of Clone. Okay, yes. There you will have me. If that question comes up, you will have me. And you didn't. Uh, all will bow to my might and your reign as Star Wars Trivia King will be over. It is true. That would, you have just identified what would be my major Achilles heel in any Star Wars trivia competition. It was the final, the final season of Clone Wars would absolutely be my Achilles heel. Uh, Mr. L writes, angry YouTube headliner. Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean goes PC. Oh yeah, you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. It's not even a question of if it is. Oh, that's inevitability. You know, insert any movie led by a woman here. Go with those headlines that they're just going to come at. It's just an inevitability. All right. Jesse writes the new last of us part two story trailer has me hyped. Now all I have to do is go five weeks without catching spoilers. Great. Yeah. I liked, I don't know if you've been following that at all, Aaron, but like last of us, extremely popular video game. I know Tom would be playing it if, uh, if you let him, but <laughs> Hey, uh, <laughs> no, Tom, Tom, when we, when he moved to LA, when he joined me in Los Angeles, he actually got rid of his PS2 or PS3 or PS18, whatever it was. Um, he got rid of his gaming system and I had nothing to do with that. And I said, why did you do that? He said, because I know that if I have it, I will get nothing else done. So I was like, That's all some right. discipline right there. Yeah, but then he just found video games on his laptop. I mean, on his iPad. So he plays some some first-person shooter something. Oh, yeah, probably probably COD or something Hey, man, like that there. I say whatever gets you through the day. <laughs> um, but no, I like The Last of Us 2 trailer, he, he 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 has talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that on the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it looks really good. I mean, there are some people that are upset because of the spoilers, but everybody just needs to take a deep breath about the spoilers. So I'm with you. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, JCL Productions writes, have you seen that Korean series called Kingdom yet on Netflix? It's a Game of Thrones meets World War Z minus the nudity. You can also, well, you just lost my interest right there. Uh, you can yeah. also watch it dubbed too, and it's dubbed by professional Korean actors and sounds amazing. Yeah, this is a show. I have not started watching it yet, but it is on my to-do list. And that the Kaori, um, mm -hmm. who you know, yeah, um, she has been insisting that we watch it. And it is definitely on our to-do list on Netflix. It's it's basically set, the kingdom is set in like um, 
ancient kingdom days, but there's a zombie apocalypse of some sorts going on. So it's political with zombies and all this kind of stuff. Where can I watch this? It is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And everybody is raving about it. Like every everybody that is who's ever brought it up on my show. Tell me the name again. It's called The Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. And everybody I know who has seen it absolutely raves about it. So Great. I should probably check that out at some point here. All right. Uh, James Welsh writes, a redhead leading okay a redhead leading a pirate film sounds like cutthroat island you ever seen oh yes of course we actually rob and i just talked about cutthroat island like two or three weeks ago we were just discussing that movie and good on you for drawing the lines and making that connection james well done well i think that the red-headed pirate is actually from the 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 you know how they took the redhead who was being sold into slavery um in the ride and they made her a pirate instead I, I do not. Yeah, it was this huge uproar. People were like, oh, because the one thing that I hated whenever I was on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride was every time we would pass and they'd be like, what? Brides for sale? Brides for sale? <laughs> and I actually said, my, my cousin was like, oh, relax. And I go, excuse me, like, if this wasn't currently going on in the world, if like young 14 year old girls weren't currently being sold as brides in places in the world, sure, I might see the humor but i don't and maybe that makes me lame i don't care it's not funny like i just i don't think it's funny and so uh i loved when the when the ride said okay we're gonna get rid of the whole brides for sale like get rid of the whole slave auction thing and we're gonna make the the super hot redhead into a swashbuckling pirate just like there were many swashbuckling lady pirates back in the day anyway and so i feel like that's uh like she's a perfect the the ride has already set up the story is what i'm saying all right uh i was not familiar with that all right yeah. next up uh louise dodson writes what is the last movie you watched with a twist that legit caught you off guard i feel like i just saw one not too long ago and i talked and i feel like i talked about but now i can't remember which one it was i feel like there was a movie that is like this twist comes and you don't see it coming it's killing me now what was it knives out um no no i didn't know how that one was going to resolve but it wasn't like a big twist yeah that, that wasn't it but i love knives out um yeah there was a movie that's like like something happens in the movie and i did not see that coming and blah 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 i mean there is the shoe scene in jojo uh. but you know i won't reveal anything other than the shoe scene but i don't know if i'd call that a twist like that was an event in the movie i don't know that i would call it a twist but i feel like i just in the last few months saw a movie where i was like Oh my God, like this is a completely different thing than I thought because once you, I, I can't remember. Can you think of any off the top of your head, Aaron? I mean, there is always like movies like The Spanish Prisoner and The Game mm. um, that have the, there's a really great twist that just happened at the very last moment of season three of Ozark, which I won't say. But um, uh, yeah, I, I love movies like that. And I'm also one of those people where when I watch a movie, I don't try to figure it out. Right. I, I, that's why one of the reasons why I can't watch a movie at home with Tom because he's constantly like, oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, oh, oh, I see. Bruce Willis is dead. And I'm like, God damn it, Tom. <laughs> you know, it's like he's too smart for his own good. And like, I, I just don't even try to figure it out. I turn my brain off so that I can just go on the ride. And so then when a big twist does happen, I'm that much more excited about it. I, I mean, I don't, I also try not to, but I almost ruined one of my all time favorite movies that way because I'm watching The Usual Suspects. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching with some people, I'm like, oh yeah yeah that's kaiser soze 
And then it turned out, I, was, I won't say who it was just in case you guys haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, but I still love the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, again, it's killing me because I know there was one recently that did that and I cannot remember what it is off the top of my head. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, JCL Productions writes, hey, John, if present John could go back in time to past John, who just started working at AMC, what advice would you give him? <laughs> Do we have the time and can you say it on air? Uh, what advice would you give him? That there were certain people, not my immediate boss, my immediate boss was awesome. I, I, me and my, my boss at AMC, uh, whose name was Justin, the guy who recruited me. I, I, I love that guy. I love my, we, we would yell. I mean, he and I had the type of re- working relationship that I actually really treasure. He and I would literally yell and scream at each other. Like, like I, I'm not kidding. Like there you were, and I do. Like you and I do all the time. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, Justin, there was this one time that he was visiting from Kansas and he and I got into such an argument in my apartment um, that I was living in at the time, like like screaming at the top of our lungs. At like, each is other. this um, Henry Cavill versus Brandon Routh kind of arguments, or no, no, it, it was it was like work related direction we're doing the business and all that oh, kind of stuff. It, okay. That I literally thought I was really afraid that, uh, but I didn't care because I was so mad at the moment. I literally thought our neighbors were going to call the cops on us. But we had the type of relationship that we could get into these heated, passionate arguments about what we were doing as far as professionally. And then 10 minutes later go, want to go get something to eat? Yeah, let's go do that. I mean, we were totally, we had that sort of relationship with each other. And I so he, I, I always knew where I was with him. He always knew where he was with me. It was never unclear. We were, we would get in each other's faces all the time. And I thought, I always thought that just made us better at what we did. But if I could go back, um, there would be a number of people at AMC that I would just go, hey, hey, past John, those people there, don't trust them. Mm-hmm. Don't trust those people. Um, and I, I don't want to get into the whole drama of it all again. There were some wonderful people at AMC uh, that I still consider like really great people who are still there. But there were also some entities and, and m- you know mechanisms at AMC that were straight from the anal hole of hell. Um, and there are certain people there that I would, the, the game of Thrones campia would go back and instantly make sure I undermine them and get them out uh, before things, because listen, AMC botched a great thing. We were on such a roll when we were still AMC, we were on such a roll. We were winning awards. Our traffic was spiking. We were becoming incredibly influential. Uh, the, the theatrical, exhibition uh, partners were like saying let's start putting amc movie news clips in front of the movies and that had just started they had just started doing that when everything went to hell because of some very petty idiotic stupid people uh at amc that i will always have a little bit i'd like to pretend like i've become all enlightened about it no i still hold a lot of bitterness i i still it's weird Aaron. i have this very fond place in my heart for AMC still and always will. Yeah. And I have this deep, dark bitterness also in my heart Honey, about AMC uh, all at the same time. I have the exact thing. same thing with a certain, I have the exact same thing with Mittens for Detroit, you know? Really? Yeah. Because the way that things ended, they ended really poorly, and I, which is I, why I, I, I love Detroit and I'm so proud of the work that I did with, you know, starting this, a nonprofit, but then 
the way that it all ended while I was going through cancer treatment was really shitty. And so it's it sucks when you have some, it, it really sucks when you have something that's so special to you and you carry it with such like, you know, a beautiful place in your heart. But then also there, I mean, like literally my back just got inflamed. I'm so, it, it, it is one of those really difficult things. And I think that that's true in a lot of different, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people listening right now are like, oh yeah, I had this really great experience. But then this person, Person or these people, this part of it really soured it for me. And it's unfortunate, you know, but we live and we learn and we move on and we hopefully learn to identify those people as we move forward in our careers. Yeah, it's... Uh uh, but yeah, I still get I still get these mixed angry feelings. Yep, when I, I'm when feeling I them right it. now. Um, okay, let's move on here. Uh, we got because we got to let you go in a couple of minutes. All right, Diamond Dog Puppy writes, uh, "Hey John, a great film which I just watched last night, 2016, The Wailing, a phenomenal South Korean film of mishmash genres. It slowly starts off humorous, then ends on a sinister tinge. Um, there is one image near the end I will never forget. Must see. By the way, Diamond." Thank you so much, because that whole thing about a twist that happened that I didn't see coming, you just reminded me about what it is. Parasite. Parasite. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Parasite is a movie that took a couple of, like, twists. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? I'm like, I'm just. Totally. Oh, Parasite. I have not heard of this one, Diamond Dog. I have not heard of The Wailing. Have you, have you heard of this mm -mm, one? No. This, you know what? I'm going to pull this one up. It's a on, Korean film, he said? That's it. It's a South Korean film. I'm South Korea's got some really good the, oh, they do. projects. They do. They have for a while. Their cinema scene is, and, and the art tours they have coming Legit. out of there are just amazing. So I'm going to have to put that one and on really my list. And really talented actors. Thank you. All right. Diamond Dog's Puppy also writes, Hey, John. I thought I'd change it up today since I always pick horror, action, and thrillers. Underrated films of the day. 2000's My Dog Skip. I like that one, actually. Touching coming age story with a loaded cast and a great dog and his dog's relationship thoughts i really enjoyed that one now it's i listen i gotta admit it's not one i've gone back and revisited um in, in the in the meantime but it is one i really did enjoy and i thought it was quite charming that's a nice pick diamond dog well done all right uh Dhruv writes a friend and i were talking about directors with similar styles slash uh films friend said taika watiti and wes Wes Anderson? I don't know that I, uh, I guess I could see a little bit of that, I suppose. The whimsy. Yeah. I said Richie Matthew Vaughn. Oh, that, yes, because they've worked together, those two. Uh, Guy Richie Matthew Vaughn, which of our duos do you think is the more similar? And do you have your own? I don't know that I've got my own that I can think of off the top of my head, but I mean, you, maybe a Scorsese and a Coppola, but Guy Ritchie and Matthew Vaughn, absolutely. Because th these are two guys that have their own unique visions, yes, but they're also kind of, they're directors that were kind of cut from the same cloth. Aaron, do you have any kind of combination of directors that you can think of off the top of your head that, that have similar styles to each other? For me, I see Darren Aronofsky and David Fincher. Ooh, that's a good one. That's they they kind of came up around the same time, and they both really get into these uh, dark, complicated stories with characters that have, uh, you know, that are always facing some big, uh, some really deep dilemma. Like it's not it's not superficial with these guys. It goes really deep and really dark. Like, they're both pretty twisted, and I like that. Right. Oh, and just so you know, guys, you might have heard, like, some rumbling going in the background. I just I had to turn on the air conditioner in here because it's over It's 100. not just me? No, 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 no. It's oh, my God. I'm my sweating My Canadian sensibilities, I'm dying. It's like 100 degrees in the San Fernando Valley today, so I just had to turn on the AC. My apology if the if the uh, audio quality drops a little bit right now, but I, I had to turn it on. I'm sorry about that. All right. Uh, let's see here. Tony Lamar writes, is the child, of course, baby Yoda in uh, Mando, uh, a boy Yoda or a girl Yoda? 
do we even have any definitive answer that there are genders? I mean, yeah, Yoda looks more male and y uh, Yadel looks more female, but do we even know definitively that that species even has two separate genders? We don't know. So right now, I'm going to guess... If I have to guess one, I'm, I'm the way they do it, I'm going to guess boy. I'm going to guess Baby Yoda's a boy, but that's just a guess. All right. I don't want to think about Baby Yoda's yeah, genitalia. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a baby. Come on. Drummer uh, Zero, uh, two, uh, 626 writes, and sends in a $50 uh, tip. Thank you so much for that, uh, Drummer. I appreciate that, man. If there's a question involved here, not only will we answer it now, we'll answer it in its own standalone video in the next couple of weeks. Keep your eyes open for that. Uh, hi, John. Love the show. Thank you so much. I have a movie recommendation for you and Anne. It's one of my favorite underrated films, Need for Speed. It has an amazing cast, a great story, cheesy lines, and the cars are fast and furious. I like Need for Speed. Now, this was a movie, if I'm thinking of the right movie, that starred um, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, based on the video game series, but not very much like the video game series at all. I thought it was a nice little film. Did I think it was a great movie? No. I actually thought it was a nice little movie. But the thing that really is amazing about it, with all the car stunts and everything, no CGI. They did all the car stunts with practical effects. They actually drove those cars. They actually smashed those cars. They actually flipped those cars. All the amazing off-the-wall car stuff in the movie, no visual effects, all practical. Uh, which is one of... It's, it's, you don't want to say that that's the most impressive thing about the movie. You'd want to say the story is the most impressive, but it's not. It's that car stuff. But again, it's a nice little movie. Um, I actually had Aaron Paul and Kid Cudi in studio to talk about the movie once, and they were great, and I actually enjoyed that little film very, very much. I will talk more about it, drummer, when we do your own standalone video on that. Thanks for sending that in again, man. All right. Uh, next up here, uh, Javier uh, Oliva writes, Oliva writes, Help, John. MCU canon alert. I try to explain to my girlfriend that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not canon. But with Coulson, Fury, Hill, Stillwell, trust me, it's hard. Also, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. be like Sony Spunk. Are we already living in the multiverse of madness? Although, uh, thoughts, hugs from Spain. Well, Javier, as much as I don't like it, the fact of the matter is, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon. It is. Look, Kevin Feige has never acknowledged any of the events in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in any of his movies, right? But that doesn't mean they conflict. They've also never... See, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has always conducted itself in such a way that they make sure that the stuff they do does not conflict with anything that's going on in the MCU proper. So they can very firmly say, we are in canon, we are in the same universe, even though the movies completely ignore Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and never reference it. So in a very true literal sense, yeah, actually, the stuff in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon. I don't like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it is canon. But it's easy to be canon when you're the one who has to make sure everything you do doesn't conflict with the movies because the movies pay no attention to you whatsoever. But as long as they do that, they get to be canon and there's technically speaking no contradictions. All right, uh, Robert uh, Beveridge writes, um, Hey, John, have you seen the teaser for HBO's Lovecraft County from Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams? Also, The Core is my favorite guilty pleasure movie. The Core is all... I got to admit, The Core... I don't know if you've ever seen The Core. No, what is it's, The Core? It's the one... I'm trying to remember the star of it, um, but it's the one where it's another disaster movie, 
but only this one it's a, there's this big ecological disaster going on that's going to wipe out mankind because the the earth's core has stopped rotating and it's doing something okay. to magnetic fields and so this team has to take this prototype vehicle that literally drills to the center of the earth and they have to set off nukes to get the earth's core spinning again it's wait i feel like i've seen this you might have it's bad that sounds it's like a pleasure. movie that tom would have playing because i remember oh, sure. yeah yeah that that's a tom movie but I've i gotta say mm -hmm. i have not seen this trailer for lovecraft county from jordan no. peele i'm interested in it because it's you know jj with jordan peele but i have not i just saw a headline that they released a preview for it but i didn't have time to get around to checking it out i will plan on checking it out though at some point all right just a couple left here guys uh let's see matthew melagrano writes aaron is so pretty it's true but i don't know who this aaron is e-r-y-n but i don't know maybe maybe you could uh maybe you could do spelling different maybe it's aaron that's your cool hip name you know aaron. i have to say there is actually a model named aaron cummings and i think she spells it e-h-r-i-n-n -N, and someone keeps tagging me on her like dolce and gabbana spreads on instagram and i'm like thanks but that's not me <laughs> however when i found out that she existed i found that out actually by a fluke i was trying to it was many many years ago and i was trying to get into a very very high profile fancy party and uh i had a friend of mine call and pretend to be my publicist which i didn't have a publicist and they said we want to put aaron cummings on the list and they were like oh absolutely <laughs> and i was like wait really i mean did they see my my two lines in star trek enterprise as prostitute number one and they know who i am <laughs> and then i found out no there's this like smoking hot amazing gorgeous model named aaron cummings so don't think i didn't use her name <laughs> to get me into every party that i could yeah. So, but thank you for the compliment. That's very nice to say. Uh, not a lot of John Campia's running around. Uh, very, <laughs> I, 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 not many. All right, a Fifty Shades of Geek writes. Oh, and a very Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Say, John, what do you think? It doesn't matter what you think. I still remember the first time I did that on one of my shows. I would turn to one of my go. So, what do you think about that? And they started to speak, and I pulled the rock. Say, it doesn't matter what you think. Anyway. I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson's got like the ultimate mic skills. All right, Little Ray writes. On average, how many main topic questions do you get? Oh, like sent in to me? Uh, like when I say uh, email me at John or, or go to John, the John com slash contact, send one in. Anywhere between one and 200 a day. Anywhere between one and 200 a day get sent in. So uh, that's roughly how many get sent in. Uh, Ryan Loner writes, Karen Gillen, not, and by the way, they're not all separate topics. Like there'll be about 20 will be about one thing and like 15 will be about another thing and just they start to add up uh ryan loner writes karen gillen actually spent a whole doctor who episode dressed as a pirate it's called curse of the black spot and honestly isn't very good but she looks great i listen i've not seen that but anything that involves the sentence karen gillen and the phrase she looks great is probably just redundant it's probably just redundant. I love her in Jumanji so much. I love her in those movies so very much. All right, Shame Cat writes, uh, it is being reported that Pirate 6 with Depp is separate from Gillen's spinoff. Two movies in the works. Check Express <laughs> Check Express site. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's not happening. Uh, Red 5 Strong writes, see on Apple Plus C, S-E-E, -E, the, the, the name C on Apple Plus is great. I cried as a parent. Watch. That is a show I have not got around to watching. Now, I believe C is the one with Jason Momoa. Yes. Um, <clears throat> looked terrible to me. And honestly, I haven't heard and anything Alfrey good Woodard. about it. And Alfrey Woodard. That's right. And I love her. Yeah. 
I haven't heard anything good about it. Like, whereas everybody talked about morning show, so I checked it out and it was great. Right. And then everybody started talking about um, uh, For All Mankind. Awesome. And now there's the new Chris Evans one uh, where he's like defending his son's acute as a murder. That looks great, too. I haven't heard anybody say anything good about um, C. Have you had a chance to watch that? Aaron? I haven't. Well, I actually just got um, Apple Plus Apple Plus because I got a new iPhone, um, which I had to because mine was a hot piece of shit. Um, so iPhone I, three. <laughs> right. Well, no, I've I dropped it so many times and I didn't have a case uh, on it. And so every time I would pick it up, the back was all was so cracked that I would actually cut my fingers. I had so many slices. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, so uh, yeah, I just got Apple Plus, so I have not seen C. However, one of the actors that's in the show uh, was my scene partner in my acting class, and he had just finished doing the show and was all excited about it. So I'm going to check it out because of him. All right, uh, next up, Josh writes, uh, don't forget, John, given Henry Cavill's success with Witcher, that has nothing to do with this. I can absolutely guarantee you that. Uh, Warner Brothers rumored to shoot a Superman and Lois TV show. That would actually hurt its chances. Uh, the news about a, re a, a return to a, to a movie Superman uh, does sound plausible. Thanks. But yeah, not because, listen, Warner Brothers doesn't care. Oh, Henry Cavill is suddenly popular. That had that has nothing. That's not why they moved away from him in the first place. It's not that they think, wow, nobody likes Henry Cavill. That was never the problem. That was never the problem. And them doing a Superman Lois TV show, if anything, would hinder the chances of doing another movie. So look, I'm, I believe it's plausible because Henry Cavill's a great Superman and I love that Superman character. That's why it's plausible. So I agree it's plausible, but I don't think it's because, oh, Henry Cavill, the actor, they don't care about that. They don't care about that. All they care is about what is this character doing for us in the movie. So I've, I hope it's plausible, but I, I don't think those other personally, Josh. I gotta say, I don't think those things are going to have any factor into it. I think, even though it thinks plausible. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I go think, ahead. I think studios look at actors as basically just vehicles to carry their character. Like if you as an actor if you do not screw up the character and people believe you as the character and you can fulfill that character then great but they don't really care about you it's sort of like when uh, somebody was holding a, a um, an umbrella over i believe it was robert de niro and they said something like oh wow that somebody said oh wow they really treat you nice and he goes they're not holding the umbrella over me they're holding the umbrella over the wardrobe <laughs> it's I, true I, 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 look, the thing is, they, look even though there were it's like ben affleck right even though there were a lot of people who didn't like batman versus superman and just like even though there were a lot of people who didn't like the movies most people were like but henry cavill was good even though there were people who didn't like those movies most people went yeah but ben affleck was good as batman like so it was never the henry cavill was never the problem that was never the problem. It's it's what they felt the character was able to do. All right, last couple of questions here, and then we're going to wrap it up here for the day, guys. Fifty Shades of Geek writes, uh, my local mall just reopened with at least 80% of the shops back in business. Oh, yeah. I can almost smell that delicious salty popcorn whenever the movie theaters reopen. Again, sniff, sniff, dude. Listen, I want it done the right way. I want it done safely. That's the main thing first. But when done right and done safely, dude, you have no idea how badly i want to get back into the movie theaters you have no idea so you and me both 50 shades all right fan of peanuts writes just watch iron man 3 on disney plus they kept the word pussy on disney plus spoken right from tony stark's mouth uh to the kid about his dad who left him who cares it doesn't matter that has nothing to do with anything else mark uh battle auto writes uh you pissed john are you yeah 
<laughs> I think that the 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 pussy d- comment was probably related to Disney's covering up of Daryl Hannah's. Oh no, butt. no yeah, but oh. that, that, one thing has nothing to do with the other. One thing has nothing. Well, I to feel do like with at other. this point, the word pussy has become so much a part of our vernacular. So I'm like, pretty sure they've used it on broadcast television at this point. I mean, certainly on all the news channels. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has. Yeah. It became very popular in 2016. Uh, yeah, they're all there. Let's not get into that, shall we? All right, guys. Listen, that will do it <laughs> for today's installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. We appreciate it, guys, very, very much. And listen, a special thank you to all of you guys who sent in questions, not just because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but also because you supported the channel while you were doing it. And all of us here involved with the John Campia YouTube Show, thank you very, very much for that support. Don't forget, guys, the John Campia Show will be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow with me and Robert Meyer Burnett, we got some stuff lined up that we're going to talk about. Again, don't forget to go on your favorite podcasting app of choice and sign up for the John Campia Show YouTube audio only edition that's there. And I, of course, want to thank Aaron Cummings for being here. Aaron, thank, thank you, you for being here. And of course, Joey Bishop as well, who's on She's, the floor uh, somewhere. She's somewhere on She's the, over on there the floor. relaxing. Yes. And folks, if you are interested in a mask of uh, Harry Potter, Black Panther, all the fun stuff, send me a DM uh, on Instagram at Aaron L. Cummings. And that's where you can find me for all the latest and greatest. And you can check out Joey Bishop at Rat Pack Cats. And of course, guys, you can follow me simply on all my various social media channels, simply at John Campia. That will do it for us for now, guys. Thank you so much for being here. My name is John Campia. And until next time. Bye bye.